Hey kids, Mandy here, and I wanted to personally invite you to join me for Cincinnati Song Initiative's first ever Fellowship of the Song, happening May 20th through 25th. In addition to a week full of amazing concerts, song workshops, and classes, I'll be leading some seriously fun study events on heartwarming topics such as murder ballads and exploring death through music and poetry. Should be a great time! (laughs) You can participate as an auditor, whether you come to Cincinnati in person or join remotely from your comfiest couch. And the best part is that all the week's events will be recorded for unlimited viewing through June 26th. So, what are you waiting for? Head to cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash audit to learn more about this groundbreaking new program for song. And I hope to see you in person or online. This is what I was singing last night when I was like, na 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 And you were asking me to guess, or yeah, I was like, oh, do you heard it before? And I was like, not that version. Na 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 Yeah, no, I know. You do? Yeah, I do recognize it. I just, I just wanted you to keep doing your version of it. Because it's entertaining. Welcome to Follow the Leader with me, your host, Mandy Madrid Sikic. If you are a fan of the podcast, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And remember, if you like what we are doing on the podcast, to tell your friends. And if you don't, then tell your enemies, because as I like to say, any publicity is good publicity. hosting another giveaway. I'll be giving away a copy of Dietrich Fischer-Dieskau's Book of Leader. All you have to do is write a review for the podcast and send a screenshot of your review to follow the leader podcast at gmail.com. I will be announcing the winner of our giveaway on the last episode of the season. Joining us today is ye olde time co-host, Brian Sickett. Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed. Thanks for hanging out to talk about some leader. My oh, pleasure. Shit. The next line is so this time I actually have caught you up on what happened in the last <laughs> but I totally forgot to do that. You ah! have not I, I read that and I was like, are we are we just a fraud? Ah! Because I feel like that has not happened. I made the same mistake as last time okay so we're gonna take a break so i can explain to you what happened brb folks brb okay so in the last episode let me just Now you have been caught up. <laughs> I'm officially up to snuff. Yeah. So now we're ready to dive in. Unless you have anything you think the good people of the podcast need to know before we begin. No, I would just like to thank everyone for everything everyone's been sending me. I've been getting flower arrangements, cards, uh, <laughs> edible edible fruit basket. Um, no, I, I haven't gotten anything. <laughs> but I still care for each and every one of you. And I'm grateful for your presence here. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious if people actually started sending you stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd be stoked. That'd be amazing. All right. Let's get to it. with a translation of the text. Imdorfe, in the village. Dogs bark, chains rattle. People sleep in their beds, dreaming of many things that they do not have, refreshing themselves with good and bad. And early tomorrow, everything will have disappeared, but still they have enjoyed their part and hope that what is left over will again be found on their pillows. Bark forth at me, you watchdogs. Let me not rest in the slumber hour. I am at an end with all dreaming. Why should I among sleepers linger? At this point in the cycle, we are on song number 17 after all, we may now realize that we are accustomed to expecting the unexpected. It's the new normal, you might say, right? <laughs> After weeping upon the grave of his hope, the traveler enters a little village. Uh, wasn't our guy, though, trying to get further away from establishments and whatnot and civilization? And he was, he's trying to, he's the lone, the lone wanderer, right? Yes, yes. And I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, because Graham Johnson uh, even talks about this. He says, the first question that comes to mind is, what village? Not for the first time, the logical listener longs for a map of this journey, end quote. So, yes, though he passes through little pockets of civilization, like in Wasserflut or Rückblick or Die Post, it's clear that he's been journeying further into isolation over the course of the cycle, right? So why does he stop into a little village at this point? It's very likely that he could probably have stayed away from this town. Why is he here? Could he not have gone around? Now, what I think is that the particulars of this little village are not important. What is important is what the village represents. It could be any village anywhere, and it would remind us of all the others he's seen. So, of course, there's the first town that he left at the beginning of the cycle, but there's also the town that the water flowed through in Wasserflut, the town in Rückblick, the town in Dikreia, from which the crow followed him, right? And these are all actual, like, real towns? Yeah, so, yes, they are. And they're all mentions of real places. And are they places that the poet himself had been through? What do you mean? Like. Oh, oh! so these towns, they don't have names. It's not like, and now I was in Dresden. You know? Right, right, right. They're just, he just says town or village or that kind of thing. Um, so like in Rukblik, he talks about like there's, there's towers in the town. So we know that it's probably different than this particular little village that he's in right now. Sure. Uh, because they, they just have a different, uh, he describes them differently. So while they're not like specific places like Los Angeles or something, Something like that. We know that he's passing these pockets of civilization. After weeping upon the grave of his hopes in the last song, I'm wondering if he perhaps wants for a bit of comfort. There's some part of him that clearly desires to not be entirely alone. 
and in a misguided attempt to perhaps find some sort of camaraderie among humans again, he's very quickly brought to the realization that this was a mistake, for he sees nothing other than how different he is from all of the sleeping villagers. A harsh reminder. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Haven't you ever done that, though, where you're like, I've had it before where, like, I'll try to go back, I don't know, to, like, a school I used to go to or something, and and, and I'm remembering all my times there, and I kind of want to create that good vibe, recreate that good vibe, but when I'm there, I realize, oh, no, this this isn't right. Like, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. There's no point in kind of revisiting this because it doesn't exist for me anymore. Sure, sure. So let's get into the music. This song is the only one in Winterreise that is in 12-8. And it lends to it having a feeling of expansiveness. Also, right from the get-go, we hear these very pregnant pauses, which is a phrase I do not like to use, but I could not think of any other way to say it. <laughs> a pregnant pause? Yeah, a pregnant pause. A is... lengthy pause? No, a, no, but a, see, a robust pause? No. no? Yeah, have you never heard this term before? Not, I, I, I have heard the word pregnant, but I haven't used it like musically. Yeah, no, so like, and it doesn't even have to be used just musically. Like a pregnant pause is one in which you're expect, like it's filled with something. You are, you have the feeling of expectation because it, it, it's holding a lot in it, even though it's just oh. silence. Is it a uh, commonly used phrase? Yeah. I didn't come up with it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew you didn't because you said you don't like to use it. But yeah. I just, I, I have never heard that in conversation or have seen it in writing You're before. probably not hanging around with the right people. Oh, right. <laughs> right. I forgot. I, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know. An intellectual. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a socialite. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, so what I'm going to do for you now is play those pauses. <laughs> Pregnant Actually, pause. this is the introduction. This is the piano introduction of Imdorfer. That's what I'm going to play for you right now. As soon as I open <laughs> Final Cut. <laughs> do, 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 do. Here we go. just sounds like someone's gonna pop out huh <laughs> right do you see why i use yeah, that <laughs> yeah no it, it, it totally like you've closed the loop on the circle for yeah. me well so here's the thing as you're listening that to that introduction for a minute you might think "Ooh, a nice one right there's some space to breathe here it does have a feeling of expansiveness and there's even literal like space between the notes when we have those rests after the weirdness that came before in Letzte Hoffnung, this introduction might seem like a nice respite from the discombobulation. But it doesn't take long for us to realize, oh wait, something is not quite right here. The voice comes in saying that the dogs are barking and chains are rattling. People are sleeping in their beds. Es bellen die Hunde, 
Schlafen die Ketten, schlafen die Menschen in ihren Betten. The Hund. Hunda? And if I'm not mistaken, like that has come up before in this whole cycle, right? Do- dogs, you mean? Dogs? dogs the hoons? Yes. The hundas? Yeah, that's exactly right. We also heard dogs in the very first song. <laughs> I forgot I left this typo in there. <laughs> Cute nacho? Cute nacho. My computer likes to change Gute Nacht to Cute Nacho. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, my God. But yeah, so the exact phrase from Cute Nacho, uh, otherwise known as Gute Nacht, is why should I longer linger that they may drive me out? Let the dogs howl before there's their master's house. Here, I'll play that for you. Was soll ich länger feilen, dass man mich trieb hinaus? Lass ihre Hunde heulen vor ihres Herrenhaus. So, in Gute Nacht, the dogs are howling at their masters before their master's house. Here in Imdorfe, they're barking and their chains are rattling. So in this particular manifestation in Imdorfe, we can hear the dogs barking in the eighth notes in the right hand. It's a bump, 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 bump. And then we understand that the, and then we understand that the left hand 16th notes could be the rattling of the dog's chains or perhaps they're snarling. And that's a Upon deeper investigation, we discovered these might represent something else entirely as well. So here's an interesting thing. Schubert actually changed one of Müller's original words. Müller originally wrote the word schnarchen, which means to snore. So the phrase went like this. Dogs bark, chains rattle, people snore in their beds. And Schubert changed that to the word schlafen, meaning sleep. So now it says dogs bark, chains rattle, people sleep in their beds. Graham Johnson thinks that Schubert changed the word because he wanted to avoid the possible comic interpretations that sleepers, sleepers, that singers and pianists might come up with. But Schubert being Schubert, he was probably inspired by the word schnarchen. And I think you can indeed hear an understated subliminal schnarchening. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Schnarchening. Yeah. Uh, If you think about it, right? Like the, it just kind of has that quality to it. that snoring slash sleeping is taking place, but we might not explicitly know why we think that. Also, the pacing, especially of the introduction, does imply the rhythmic breathing that you do when you're sleeping. Like the in and out, in 
and out, right? It's, uh, Schubert should have released like a breathwork, you know, <laughs> series, a breathwork uh, course. I think this is it. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is his breathwork. Um, in any case, we are certainly hearing sleepy time music, right? And that's the brilliance of Schubert. But there's there's a a button here somewhere. Yeah, there is. <laughs> there's a big butt. <laughs> A big butt, and it cannot lie. Well, Graham Johnson thinks that pianists might have gone so far as to enact falling asleep at the piano had the word schnarchen been left in. I say nay, nay, because here's the thing, and here's your butt, Brian. (laughs) Though this music is sleepy, it's also very edgy. Whenever I play this one, I am on the very edge of my seat. It feels like it's all held together so very tenuously, which actually picks up on the same vibe of the last song of Let's to Hofnu. Um, I talked with Tyler last time about how when you're performing Let's to Hofnu, it just it feels like it's barely hanging together, just like that one little leaf that's barely hanging on. Here in Imdorfa, it feels like any little thing could disrupt the peaceful, magical little sleep kingdom he is describing. Perhaps something such as your loved one turning to someone else. I think that maybe he is reminded of a time when he was so blissfully able to sleep, unaware that his reality was so tenuously held together and then subsequently unraveled by the words and actions of another. So not as snoozy as it comes across like initially. It's like it, it has some it has some like a little bit of angst in there. It has a little bit of it's charged. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's a great word for it. That it, it has this um edgy charge. Yeah. This song also presents one of those super duper cool moments. What's a super duper I don't know. I'm here for it. I have no idea. Uh, What I do know is that this song presents one of those super duper cool moments of the cycle where the audience becomes very involved in their silence. If they are cluing into the vibe that you're creating, they help to create the electricity within the silence. Harmonically, the first verse is not hugely complex or involved. It doesn't move much in the first few bars. And because it moves so little, when it eventually does, it adds to that edginess. We are listening for any little change. And it's so cool when the audience picks up on that and just goes silent. Aren't they supposed to be silent in the first place? Well, yeah, but you know, there's always like the, the rustling. The hush. Yeah, there's the, the rustling hush. of papers yeah, and a sure. cough or like a candy wrapper opening. Oh, the opening worst or is like, the candy wrapper, the cough right. drop wrapper. Right? Uh, right? And or a like, hearing aid. Or a hearing aid or like sometimes you'll have a squeaky seat. I don't know. Concert halls very regularly kind of have just this. The ambient uh, noise. Yeah, there's just. Uh, ambience. I was going to say ambient and then I said ambi- ambient, but I said I, I mixed the two. Yeah. Yes, that that ambient noise is really just part of the experience. And so when it truly ceases, as often happens in this song and also in the final song of the cycle, it's a it's a cool thing to be a part of because it, it does feel pretty electric mm-hmm. because it is out of the ordinary. You're aware that ooh, everyone's like stopped breathing. The stillness <laughs> yeah. is there, yeah. 
By the end of the first verse, the traveler has painted the ideal image of people asleep in their beds. But then he transitions, saying that by the morning it will have all vanished, disappeared. The barking dogs and the snoring and sleeping all melts away, which sounds like this. Und morgen früh ist alles zerflossen. Did you hear it disappear? Yes, vanished. <laughs> but fret not, the song is not over. Out of that disappearing comes something new. Very pleasant. It is, right? This fanciful sounding music is the backdrop for the traveler to describe more about the villagers and what he sees as their reality. He says that they have their portion and that they are happy with what they find upon their pillow and what they leave there upon waking. It's here that we realize that our boy is mad that people are so blissfully sleeping and specifically that they have dreams and hopes and a life to enjoy. Because remember, he just wept and threw himself upon the grave of his hopes. His hopes are dead. So he's angry at his portion. He's angry at these villagers that their lot in life is such that they still have hopes to cling to. When he talks about their hopes, Schubert actually repeats this word. He says, und hoffen, und hoffen. Which means? Hope. And hope and hope. And, and hope and Müller hope. did uh. not uh, repeat that word, but Schubert decided to do that. Und hoffen, und hoffen, was sie noch übrig ließen. It's funny because in here, you know, like you're saying, he's angry at the villagers, but it's almost like a, it's anger, but it's sort of laced in sadness because he doesn't have it. Like he's it, at least the way that like the music mm -hmm. portrays it, like mm -hmm. he doesn't sound super angry, but he, but he definitely, yes. you can tell that he's like mourning that he doesn't okay, have it. Okay. And that brings up a really interesting point. This song can be interpreted. Let me back up. This song can come across very differently depending on the interpretation. Mm. So if the singer and pianist choose to be a little bit more like um, just kind of like sarcastic, not sar sarcastic isn't the right word, but if they choose to be Could more... Could they be a little more aggressive with it? Yes. Yes. Aggressive and hateful and spiteful yeah, with it. Yeah. It can come across as him really having a negative energetic yeah. charge like i could see someone performing it would either either have like a furrowed brow and like fierce eyes or it could be more like a looking at more like a mournful face so i could see how someone could totally take it absolutely different directions yes absolutely and that's something that actually graham johnson writes a lot about um the fact that this this song can change so much depending on the hands of hands and voices of 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 the performers and the faces <laughs> and the faces correct <laughs> um so that's actually really really cool that you noticed that the traveler is kind of stuck on the fact that others have what he does not 
And yet, I wonder perhaps if he is not seeing this correctly. So even the way that this middle section is set, perhaps it's too pretty. He seems to be like romanticizing their situation. I mean, don't you ever do that? I, I definitely do. Like on a particularly bad day or just... I don't know, a day that I don't really feel stoked about doing the things I have to do. I might look at anyone, like a truck driver, a mom with a stroller full of kids, or like a checker at the pharmacy, the dental hygienist. How do I say that? Oh, you're, you're a wordsmith. <laughs> the dental hygienist. Hygienist? Why did I choose this word? <laughs> <laughs> hygienist. Hygienist. Maybe. Hygienist? It all sounds wrong. Holy shit. I can't say this word. I have to pick something else. The tooth doctor. <laughs> the tooth doctor i mean literally Uh, and you're saying you like sort of envy their situation right so it could be anyone it doesn't matter like Mm. what their what their job is or what they're doing i i'll look at them and i'll think oh life would be so much easier if only i was them but that's not real right everyone has their issues Mm -hmm. i just can't feel or see theirs the way i feel and see mine you know, he's just looking and saying, oh, I think he's idealized and over-romanticized their position. And I also wonder about him thinking that his position is so much different from everyone else's and that he's so much different. Like, why is he so special? Has he been granted some sort of cosmic awareness that makes his angst, his pain so much worse than another's? That he alone has been singled out? And I'm not always sure what to make of that. Does that make me pity him? Or perhaps I'm a tad disgusted mm. by it? Um, I, I just don't know. I, I am always definitely a bit uncomfortable, though, at this point in the cycle with these words in this setting. All he needed along this journey was to, like, stumble upon some homeless dude in Santa Monica and be like, oh, no, I'm actually, I got life. Life is pretty good, you know? Like, that. that is honestly the biggest um point of clarification for me at least mm-hmm. if, if i'm having a bummer of a day or whatever and i'm driving every single time i drive down to the beach to play right, frisbee yeah. like always passing homeless people um or just people that are you can just tell whether it's cars falling apart or this or that or whatever and you're just like man i have a roof over my head I, like i have a beautiful life and i feel like he just never got to see anyone who had it worse than him yeah and that is really interesting too like how has he not come across someone who has it worse somehow he just hasn't yet we might Uh we we might Uh find someone (laughs) by the end of the cycle we might find someone that helps him have perspective um well i don't i don't know what to give away i don't know what to give away oh you don't need to give away anything okay but Um, the more to come on the topic of (laughs) of one's own little world and circle yeah yeah definitely more to come on that point for sure um i also one thing i i thought as i was you know studying and and researching for this episode was that maybe he really just wants a pillow he just (laughs) needs a pillow he does mention the villagers and like you know what they leave upon their pillows um and I just think it's kind of a, a funny word to sing in, in a classical art song. And and I think it might actually belie an undertone of him truly, genuinely wishing for that comfortable home life that he will never have. And even here, though, it says that he will never have. Like, that's that's all a mental game for him, right? 
I mean, he's chosen to never have it. Right. Yeah. So, I, so is that where the frustration comes in? It's like, hey, you've chosen, like you've yeah. made it up in your mind that like you are not worthy of any of this stuff or that you don't want any of the stuff or whatever. So like now, are you, why are you like kind of pining after it? Yeah, I think maybe because he did try at the right, like at the beginning, we know that there was a girl and there and her mother was there and they were they were talking about marriage. They were, it, so that was like the ideal kind of situation that he had hoped for himself. But for some reason, the way it all fell apart to him, he's taking it to mean that he's never going to have it. He's chosen to go out on this journey to be away from civilization, to be away from these places where he could possibly find that again for himself. Um yeah, I think there's just something in his mind that makes him so different that he can't choose to have the the home life and uh. the pillow and the love and the, you know, all the things that he talks about everyone else having. It's just for some reason it's not for him, even though we can see he's kind of chosen that. Yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit infuriating. <laughs> Get it together, man. Yeah, right? He seems to lose himself for a moment, perhaps imagining what the villagers' realities must be like. But then he arrives back in his place, in his body, in his reality. No pillow to be seen. No pillow. I think I'm supposed to play this here. Doch wieder zu finden, doch wieder zu finden, auf he now encourages the dogs to drive him forth to not let him rest during the hour of slumber for he is done with dreaming. Bellt mich nur fort, ihr wachen Hunde. Lass mich nicht rum in der schlumme Stunde. important to note that a likely contributing factor to his renouncing of dreams is his experience with them experience that we've seen in this very cycle if you remember all the way back uh to song number what is this song number 11 10 or 11 i can't remember in frühling's traum the he dreamt of love and of and of a lover of a maid in springtime but when he wakes all he is left with is the bleakness of reality. The pain of seeing that which he lost in his dreams, it can't be very pleasant to be waking up from that every night, right? Every time he woke from his dream, he experienced more pain. So honestly, I think it's understandable that he would write off this activity altogether. I actually kind of remember that after um, Czar first passed away, 
I remember thinking that like I would dream about him. Like I, I remember being worried that I would dream about him and that I would miss mm. him so much when I woke up. And I actually only had maybe like two or three dreams. And I was really grateful because it was it was hard to wake from those and then realize he was gone. Yeah. So I, I definitely relate to him in this point that he would say, I just want, I want to be done with that. Hmm. After proclaiming his end with dreaming, he asks, why should I linger among sleepers? And Schubert repeats his text to great effect. The first time, it's fairly matter of fact, right? It's almost as if he were a Vulcan explaining that it is not logical to linger among those who dream when he is, in fact, done with dreaming. Ich bin zu Ende mit allen Träumen. Was will ich unter den Schläfen säumen? But then... Then Schubert works his magic and repeats this text. And this time, we hear a tenderness in the melody on the word Träumen, dreams. This tenderness betrays the true fondness he feels for dreams, though they are no longer available to him. Ich bin zu Ende mit at the end there you can hear him linger on the word linger, right? A text painting that needs no explanation. I, I feel like he takes you through some of these songs where where your heart kind of has a, a certain range of like how much you feel for him or like sometimes you're frustrated that it's like, well, you chose this for yourself. So why are you why are you seeing the grass is greener on the other side? And then there's moments where, yeah, you're frustrated that like that logic isn't there. But then there's a moment here where then he's tender and you're like, ah, like I feel for you again. Like I, yes. and I don't know, like I feel kind of like when there's a character in a movie and you like see them, like there's the moments when they just frustrate you all, mm -hmm. beyond all belief, mm -hmm. but that's like intentional. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. It's, I think it's just good writing, Great right? writing. Yep. where you go through this journey, your own kind of journey with a traveler where you were relate or don't relate and then you'll relate again and then you won't and I, I think it keeps you coming back for more like what's he going to choose this time or where's he going to go next or what's going to happen to him tomorrow yeah um so I yeah I think that's a, a great observation are you ready to take a full listen let's dive in all right and once again we have Dr. Tyler Reese here to sing Imdorfa for us Thank you. 
this song reminds me of what does it remind you of? uh and i i know i've said this multiple times to you over the years you know when we're like watching a movie or a tv show and the people are in their beds and i'm like oh that looks really nice i wish i was in my bed <laughs> <laughs> yes this song always makes me feel that like um, even as you're performing it well okay maybe not when i'm performing that but definitely <laughs> when i listen to it I'm thinking, mm, I just 
kind of wish it was time for bed right now. <laughs> or it's like Ozark whenever they have coffee or a yeah. glass of wine. You're just like, ah, nothing would hit the spot quite yeah. like It's like, that. I need that right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or Peaky Blinders and a smoke and a glass of whiskey. Oh, my God. And a glass of whiskey. Ugh. I drink so much whiskey watching that show back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. So many cigarettes. <laughs> so much whiskey. Um, also, I think it's interesting that the name of this song is Imdorfa, meaning in the village. Because this music kind of feels far away to me. It almost seems like, I don't know, it's happening in the distance somehow, even though he's in the village. And I think that that underlies a little bit how separated he feels from the rest of humanity, perhaps experiencing what he is not. Just kind of has that far away quality to, to it, for sure. I just wanted to finish with one final thing Ian Bostridge has to say about the political and social commentary that this song provided during the time. Okay, let me find this. This is from uh, Ian Bostridge's Schubert's Winter Journey, um, page 374. One of the lasting attractions of Winterreise and one of the keys to its depth is its ability to leave existential anxiety the absurdity of existence, that Beckettian riff with political or social engagement. This is partly, as we have seen, a matter of intention on the part of the co-creators of the cycle, poet and composer. Müller and Schubert both lived in a post-revolutionary period, fearful of reform in which the discontents of the educated middle classes, their sense of repression and experience of a reactionary regime, were palpable. Whether or not these were particularly salient themes in the work of either artist, both undoubtedly had moments in their creative lives when they felt the bonds of repression and kicked against them. Coded political messages found their way into Müller's work, despite his official position as privy counselor and ducal librarian in Dessau. Schubert's choice of material to set to music point to a degree of disaffection with the current order of things. His ability to read Müller's subversive codes, even if we, 200 years later, can read them, is not to be doubted. Hence, Schubert's winter journey confronts the winter we all face, the coldness we all experience, the coldness of life itself, but it also obliquely challenges the social and political order from which it emerged and which, paradoxically, also made it possible. Schubert was not an agitator or a revolutionary, but, trapped within a way of living which so often frustrated his ideals, he rattled the bars of the cage. Like Müller, like all of us who live in society rather than retreat to the woods, he had to make compromises with things as they were, but sometimes became acutely aware of and alert to his own capacity for an estrangement from political, social, and economic arrangements. Well done, Bostridge, <laughs> you wordsmith, you. Right? Yeah, I think that that um, is keen insight into some of the behind-the-scenes workings of this song. Highly relevant material. Now that we have no more points to discuss on Imdorfa, should we... Oh, there's more points. <laughs> No, there's no more points. No, there's there's no more points I think we need to address today. He has left the village. He has the left the ship has village. sailed. Correct. I think we should move on to song number two. Whoop whoop. 
I hope you have a storm shelter in your pocket, Brian, because it's about to get truly wild. Is that a storm shelter in your pocket, <laughs> or are you just happy to see me? Uh, let us begin. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> let us begin with a translation of the text. gray dress the cloud shreds flutter around in a weary fight and red fire flames move between them this is what i call a morning after my own heart my heart sees in the sky painted its own image it is nothing but the winter the winter cold and wild oh he's stoked right he is just like pumped winning at life <laughs> finally finally something goes right for him really right the morning brings with it an absolute rending of the sky and he says yes this now this is what i call a morning a morning after my own heart as the song continues, whether I'm playing or listening, I kind of get caught up in it. Like, yeah, this is a bop and I am into it. But then I realize, oh, wow, if this is his kind of day, <laughs> yeesh, that's a, probably not a good thing. He's twisted. <laughs> he, he, uh, he's a glutton for punishment. Yeah. You might be reminded of when he said in Einsamkeit how he was so miserable and longing for the stormy skies to return because he was not so miserable when the weather mirrored the tumult of his inner world. So well, maybe that is like his perspective shift. Maybe that is his like, you know, his environment needing to match where he's at. I think when everything looks like peaceful and beautiful, he's just genuinely confused by it because he feels so so horrible he on the inside. He doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. But now the weather has turned in his favor and we realize, yikes, <laughs> if this is what this guy is about, he may be truly unhinged. The song is so short, it's not even a minute long. So let's take a listen to it real quick like... These are always my favorite types of songs on a program uh -huh. because you're like, ah, we checked that one off real quick. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was like old Brian where it used to be a little bit more of a, um, 
uh it took a little more work to like get through it but that was before i was like into actually like reading the translations Ooh. and like understanding the poetry and the and how that would relate to the music and the performance itself whatever mm -hmm. so like now i'm a little more like I, I buckle in for the ride but yeah uh, old brian was more like oh, okay now there's only three more to go <laughs> <laughs> especially if it was like a big song cycle yeah 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 i hear you i hear you i mean i'm not gonna lie sometimes i also feel like that in in a concert um just kind of depending on the program i mean if it's a really good program right. and like really compelling performers then you're not even thinking about hopefully time. you're not yeah. thinking about that but i can see how i mean look if you were not into translations and you're just hearing some music musicians like shout german at your face and lots it of notes just or, doesn't hit the same right but once you understand what's going on it becomes a little bit more exciting to hear what's next and yeah yeah that's why this podcast exists <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to point out that energy of this order, right? Energy of what we just heard has not been released since Divetafana, which was song number two. So way, way, way the heck back. Here we realize, oh, wow, he really needed this boiling over, this energetic release. Uh, and it's also a point where performers and audience need to change as well yeah we went from like cozy bed and pillow to like let's turn the shit up right right and that's that's no mistake no mistake uh the piano here so clearly paints the storm in the introduction and it's interesting to note that it's in unison hmm. just like in divetofana as well although here Graham Johnson says that the unison signifies his solitude, but also his resolution and marshalling of resources, which I really like that way of putting it. That's deep. <laughs> Uh, you're saying unison here is in right hand, left hand? Yes. Not like voice and piano. Well, voice and piano also will be in unison sure. for good portions of this song. <laughs> for <laughs> good portions of all 50 seconds. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally like 50 seconds. The consonants of the first verse lend to the violence, like the word tsarisin as does an outburst from the piano where the hands momentarily separate from each other, moving in opposite direction. So the right hand goes up, the left hand goes down, before they cascade in towards each other and violently collide, much like the violence he sees all around him. This is one where it's definitely good to like have a poncho if you're sitting in the front row because you in the splash zone. Spittle, yeah. <laughs> you can just see it, especially if the lights are like really that. good. Yes. It just comes flying yes. off and you're like, I think that just landed on my cheekbone, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yes. Oh my God. I used to, this is so gross. There was a coach at one of the schools I used to go to and his piano, because he would sing from the piano, if you sat down at the piano and looked at the fall board, I remember having this realization one day when I was, I was sitting there, I was looking at the fall board and there were just all of these spots on it. And I was like, what is that? And then I realized they were all just spots of dried spit. Saliva. 
That's so gross. So gross. Why didn't he clean it? So disgusting. That piano must have just felt awful inside. It's like (laughs) such a gorgeous instrument. It just has spit all over. Which borderline, I mean, is that worse than Mikey dumping his cup of coffee in the piano? (laughs) Guildhall? Hope you're listening, Mikey. The the secret has been let out. He doesn't listen to this. Uh, that's hilarious i need to check in with him was it like a cappuccino or a latte or just like a straight up cup of coffee just dumped in the soundboard Uh, i don't i don't remember i think it was a latte i want to say it was a latte foamy latte might have been an americano just all over the inside it was like a i'm pretty sure it was a seven foot yamaha (laughs) like we will we will not speak of which school that (laughs) happened at yeah the school will remain anonymous But, oh, man, I I do think that piano was saved. But honestly, I would rather have coffee than spit. I think spit is so gross. Just the most disgusting. But if you are a singer and you are singing and pronouncing your consonants correctly. Spit's coming up. There's going to be a good deal of spit involved. It's just the way it is. Um, Especially if you're a well-hydrated singer. (laughs) Especially. The second verse is like a march, and we are reminded that he is on a walking journey. What began with determined steps at the outset of the cycle, we now hear have more purpose and more determination than ever, which is probably a good thing because he really needed something to fill the void that the absence of dreaming and sleep time left. Das nenn ich einen Morgen, so recht nach meinem Sinn. He seems almost gleeful in the third verse, when he mentions that his heart sees its own image painted in the sky. It's nothing but the winter, the winter cold and wild. Do you remember another time he saw his heart's own image? Uh, isn't it in one of the icy ones? Yes. And he, doesn't he try to like, wait, now I'm getting confused with Lord of the Rings or one of the, where they like, no, where they're like on the big ice lake and they're like chopping, (laughs) chopping at it with their axe. They start chopping at the ice. Does he ever chop at ice? No, it's melting. It's melting. (laughs) I don't know, but I feel like we now need a Vinterizer Lord of the Rings crossover. That'd be sick. (laughs) Yeah. So yes, you're right. It does involve ice. Uh, it was in Auf dem Flusser, number seven, when he says, My heart's in diesem Bache. He says, My heart, do you see your own image in this raging torrent that's underneath the crusty ice yeah. layer? Uh, and it was almost as if he was horrified to admit that that raging torrent was mirrored his own heart Uh, but here he totally owns it he totally owns the fact that this rending a part of the skies uh is is the same as his heart and it's almost like he seems proud of it (laughs) i don't know why did i type that out kind of like the kid who likes mustard what does that mean so here's the thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm waiting with bated breath so did you ever like have those like those weird kids growing up who were like proud that they were like the anti-establishment or or that they were the weird one out that they were the one who liked mustard when everyone else liked ketchup 
and they were like proud of it. Mustard like and ketchup are equal condiments on the condiment chart. But like for kids, kids usually like ketchup because it's like tasty and sweet and mustard is like more like zingy and vinegary and yeah. and has a bite. Yeah, and it, it does. It has a bite to it. So would it be the kid that would like show off by like... Yes, look at how much mustard I like. Yeah. Was this not a phenomenon? Um, I'm sure it just manifested itself in different ways and in, <laughs> in, in, not in the condiment world. I don't know. I do. I do like it. Like I get what you're... I get what you're okay, after. Okay, but here's the thing. Uh, I you were that kid. <laughs> okay, okay. That makes total sense. Termisha Morgan. Then, just as suddenly as this storm broke over him, it ends. Der Winter kalt und wild. It's such a fleeting moment in so long a cycle. Let's listen one more time. moments where you wish that you were like somewhere else or doing something else like when I was a kid it was Disneyland right like just waiting for that moment when I'd be walking into the park and then when it happened it was absolute magic because I'd think this is the moment this is the moment I dreamed about and it's happening right now um I think for him this is that moment Mm -hmm. He spoke about it earlier in Einsamkeit, and now it's actually he's, happening. He's being fulfilled. Yes. Um, for me, personally, <laughs> the longed-for moment most often now is bedtime. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, to carry on the theme of Imdorfer, <laughs> I did like how when we were listening to Imdorfer, you said, I just love sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Sleep is so good. It really is. But there is no time for sleeping in Sturmische Morgen. All right, I think that's it. I, I, I think, I think we talked about all the things I wanted to talk about. We did it. We even threw in some, uh, some condiment chit chat. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna end up talking about on an episode of Follow the Leader. It's just a wild, a wild and crazy ride. It's too wild and crazy. <laughs> That's Steve Martin, right? Yeah, it is Steve Martin, and I think it's Martin Short. It's like an SNL skit. It's an SNL skit. Yeah. Is it Martin Short that does it with him? I think so. I know it's Steve Martin for sure, but they're two wild and crazy guys. With the fingers <laughs> pointing. It is. It's yeah. the finger dance. <laughs> oh man. Well, Brian, thanks for being my second uh, wild and crazy guy today. A pleasure. 
And listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you just can't get enough Winterreise in your life, then you might want to try singing Imdorfer or Der Stürmische Morgen with me. You can find me on YouTube as Mandy Madrid Sikic. Click on the Winterreise playlist and start singing. Remember that Follow the Leader can be found in all the usual podcasty places. And please, if you like what you hear, leave a review. It's honestly the best way you can support the podcast. Follow the Leader is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at leadernerd. That's at L-I-E-D-E-R-N-E-R-D. See you later, nerds! Bellt mich nur fort, Keep going. Check, check. One, two, one, two, three, four. Ooh. One, two, three, four, five. Talk into your microphone, dummy. Brian Sikic is in the building. Hello. Hello. Okay. Cool. Do you think maybe you could try not to snort into the microphone? <laughs> How did I get so lucky? If you love this podcast, then you'll love the Song Cycle podcast, also by Cincinnati Song Initiative. Song Cycle introduces the coolest and awesomest leaders of the song world today and dives into getting to know them and their unique stories, where they think song in the 21st century is headed, and lots of other great topics. If you're looking for your next source of inspiration as you continue on your own musical journey as a song lover, look no further than Song Cycle with me, your host, Sam Martin. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join the conversation.